Um, So let's turn to John chapter 21. John John chapter 21. So far in John, uh, Jesus has lived a life of perfect obedience and worship just as God deserves. Uh, Then he died to take our sin to the death it deserved. And then he rose to pioneer new and everlasting life with the Father. And now uh, in John chapter 21, Jesus appears again to his disciples, uh, tying up some loose ends with them and launching their mission to the world. So let's read John chapter 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? 
When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And we finish John's Gospel there, and this is God's Word. Um, Well, we've made it. This is the last chapter of John's Gospel. Um, 30 sermons you've sat through in uh, just under a year and a half. Uh, Today we finish it. But do we really need this chapter? Um, Do we really need chapter 21? What's the point of it? What does John have left to tell us? Uh, And what effect does he want it to have on us as we read? Um, Well, in chapter 21, John is tying up loose ends. And this happens all the time in storytelling. I'm sure you can think of a hundred examples. And I hope this doesn't spoil this story for you. But at the end of The Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam do manage to destroy the one ring in the fires of Mount Doom and the Dark Lord Sauron is defeated. Sorry, but you've, you've had that book for a number of years now. If you haven't read it or watched the films by now, uh, too bad. Uh, but we do need to know what happens next, don't we? That can't be the final scene. We need to see Aragorn crowned as king. We need to see peace spread throughout the lands. We need to see what happens with uh, Saruman, the wizard, and what happens with the hobbits when they return to the Shire. And depending on whether you're watching the film or reading the book, those two things might happen in a different order. Or at the end of Harry Potter, we need that train station scene where the next generation boards the Hogwarts Express uh, to a world of adventure. Is that what happens? I only vaguely remember, and to be honest, I didn't look it up. Uh, I should have just asked Matthew, but anyway. um, How many books end with that kind of epilogue? You know, something that's uh, set just a little bit in the future and just ties up some loose ends uh, or maybe sets up a sequel for us. Uh, Something that says happily ever after or or hints at what might come next. In John's Gospel, we've had the, the big finale, haven't we? The scene where the, the hero seems to be down and out, where Jesus, in fact, was down and out. He sacrificed himself for us. He lay dead in the tomb. And we've had the, the astonishing comeback, uh, the turnaround of the resurrection, the, the ultimate comeback. And we've even had a kind of sign-off from John at the end of chapter 20. So at the end of chapter 20, remember he gives us that key that unlocks the the, the whole gospel to us, the point of his writing. Uh, So it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That would have been a great ending, wouldn't it? Sign off, John across the bottom, the end. What's left to tell? Well, of course, we know the story is going to go on. The story of Jesus' mission to his people will become the story of his church's mission to the world. Uh, So John's going to want to set that up somehow. And there's the loose end of the disciples who deserted Jesus, remember, uh, and especially Peter, who denied even knowing him, Uh, Three times, what will Jesus say to them? Uh, What is their future uh, in in the the Jesus movement? Can they still be involved in this global mission that Jesus is about to launch? 
Uh, is it kind of valid that they're uh, in leadership of that? Uh, can they still be involved? And, and John, again, shows the disciples being called, called all over again to follow Jesus. Uh, and as we see that, what can we learn about following him ourselves? Well, let's get into it uh, with chapters one to, well, verses 1 to 14, uh, pardon me, where we see uh, Jesus call his disciples to follow. Jesus calls his disciples to follow. Um, many a story ends where it began, and the story of Jesus is no different. He's accomplished his mission in Jerusalem, and uh, he's met briefly with his disciples there, and we thought about that last week on Easter Sunday, and he now appears to them back up north by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee, or Lake, uh, what is it, Gennesaret, something like that. It's all kind of names for the same body of water. Up north, that's where his ministry began. That's where many of his miracles were performed. That's where many of his disciples were recruited. Uh, and we know from the other gospels that after uh, the, uh, the, the resurrection, Jesus sent his followers back to Galilee and promised to appear to them there. So this is what's happening. They've gone back up. And so Simon Peter, doubting Thomas, uh, Nathaniel, James and John, they're the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples went fishing together. And that's not fly fishing from the bank, it's net fishing from the boat. And as with many a good fisherman's tale, it starts with catching nothing. Uh, so verse 3, all night they caught nothing. They fished all night, which I suppose you'd only do if nighttime was the best time for catching fish. Uh, all night they cast their nets in and out of the water with no reward. So verse 4, very early in the morning, the, as the light grows, uh, and as the fish, I suppose, begin to you know, deep, uh, dive down deep out of reach and sort of settle for the day, a man appears walking along the shoreline 100 yards away. And this, this landlubber calls on these seasoned fishermen to, to throw their net. All they've got to do is just throw their net out the other side of the boat, and they're going to, they're going to catch some fish. And we all know someone, don't we, who gives advice when nobody wants it. Uh, they just, you know, you, nobody asked, but there they are with their advice. I'm, 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 you know, kind of burdened with wisdom. Uh, how rude of this guy to interfere. Uh, uh, but whether from politeness or from the desire to maybe prove him wrong or something, you know, think, why not? They cast the net out the other side of the boat, just a few feet from where it was a, a moment ago, and they take a catch so large they can't even haul it in. At this point, verse 7, uh, John, who uh, refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved, uh, John realizes that the man on the shore is Jesus. Peter dives in and swims for the shore, and the remaining disciples kind of, well, thanks very much, Peter, and they're kind of limping after him in the boat, dragging this net because they can't, they can't pull it in. They've got to just limp into shore and hopefully make it. And there they find Jesus cooking breakfast. Now, the very idea of fish for breakfast... Just turns my stomach a little bit. But like I suppose if you've been working all night, you could just try and think of it, just try and sell it to yourself as a very late supper. Is that kind of acceptable, a fish supper at 6 a.m.? I don't know. Uh, it's, not, it's not right. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> verse 12 is a little bit strange to us, isn't it? I wonder if you spotted that on the way through. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Well, that's not strange. It's the next bit. None of the disciples dared ask, ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Now, it's just the third time that they've seen the risen Jesus, just the second time for Thomas, and it's so new and so strange that they seem to want to ask, Jesus, is it really you? Is it really you? 
Are you really here? And even so, they know it's him and they just dare not, dare not ask. And all the same, Jesus answers this unspoken question in his own way, verse 13, breaking bread and fish to serve them as he had served thousands by the Sea of Galilee back in John chapter 6. But this episode doesn't just ring a bell uh, to the feeding of the 5,000. It also rings a bell with the calling of the disciples in the first place. And for that, we need to turn to Luke chapter 5, which you can do if you want. The kids actually have it on the back of their worksheets. Um, And there's more than a little deja vu in in Luke chapter 5. So after a long night on the same body of water, catching no fish, Jesus sent Simon Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, back out onto the water where they immediately caught such a large number of fish that when two boats tried to haul it in, both began to sink. And it's at that moment that Jesus called these men to follow him, promising that from now on they would no longer catch fish for the people, but people for the kingdom of God. So what's happening here in John chapter 21 John and and Jesus, they're they're together wrapping up some loose ends. The disciples all deserted Jesus in the garden when he was arrested, but now he's calling on them to follow him once again. God is the God of second chances. They needed a second chance, and Jesus gave it to them. Do, Do you need a second chance? Do you need a fresh start with Jesus? Um. You know, maybe you're in the spiritual doldrums. Um, You know, you've been kind of stuck there drifting with no direction, no wind in the sails. And you think, well, I've definitely, I've just been, I've been left behind. I've I've blown it. I've failed so miserable, uh, miserably that there's just no, no real hope for me to get started again as, as a Christian. How could Jesus take me back after all that I've done? Uh, or after all that you've not done, the, the, the spiritual dryness and disinterest, the, the good that you've left undone, the kind words you've left unsaid. How, how can I get going again with, with Jesus? Well, look at these men here as Jesus starts over with them, even though they abandoned him at his moment of greatest need. The, these so-called friends who left him to die on his own. God is the God of second chances. It's been a while since we were in John 1, but but there's a verse there. It says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Grace upon grace. Uh, Jesus counts us as his friends. His father delights in us. His spirit lives in us and uh, would have us get in step with him. God is a God of second chances. Jesus calls his followers to follow once again. You can have a fresh start with Jesus. Well, what if you're not convinced? What if you haven't just dried up spiritually, but you've really kind of fallen flat on your face and uh, maybe done some pretty terrible things uh, or things that just don't fit with following Jesus? Uh, What about you? Is Is it really true for you as well that God is the God of second chances? Well, isn't that Peter? Isn't that Peter? So look at verses 15 to 19, uh, where Jesus calls Peter to follow again. Um, I think the start of verse 20 just implies that after breakfast, Jesus takes Simon Peter for just a short stroll along the shoreline, uh, just along the, along the sand or along the pebbles, just, just stepping away from the rest of the group. Um, now, commentators have tried uh, some real mathematical acrobatics to give some 
symbolism to the 153, the number 153, the fish that were caught that morning. I don't think there's anything, any symbolism to that. I think it's just a lot of fish. It's just a big catch of fish. Uh, and I suppose if, you, if you're used to taking things to market, of course you want to know how many you've got. It's a big catch. There is a little bit more symbolism to, to what's going on in verses 15 to 19. So remember, three times Peter denied knowing Jesus on the night before his death. Uh, now, three times Jesus calls him, not Peter, but Simon. Uh, three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? Three times Peter says, yes. And three times Jesus tells him to feed his flock, to be the leader, to take responsibility, to, to stay put and do the difficult work, to do the courageous things, to be the rock on which Jesus will build his church. Remember, uh, Jesus had previously given Simon the name Peter, which means rock, the rock on which Jesus would build his church. But when uh, Jesus was arrested, well, that rock looked pretty wobbly, didn't it? Uh, and since then, John has been calling him Simon Peter. Not Peter, but Simon Peter. It's like a little step backwards. And Jesus goes all the way back and just calls him Simon. It's like they'd never met. So Jesus is calling Peter to follow all over again. Uh, Jesus is calling Simon to a fresh start as Peter. And, and so in verse 19, when this little exchange is over, John simply calls him Peter. And Jesus tells Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And this is what Peter will do if he loves Jesus. This is, you know, do you love Jesus? Feed my sheep. That's how you will show that you love me. Uh, Peter will demonstrate his love for Jesus by loving Jesus' people and feeding them with his word. And we can tell that this image stayed with Peter. Uh, this, this leading, feeding, shepherd image uh, is, is Peter's picture for leadership uh, within the church. And so he writes, if you'll indulge me, just four verses of Peter's first letter. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That image stuck with Peter, didn't it? So just as Jesus called the disciples over again, uh, giving them a fresh start, uh, now Jesus calls Peter uh, to follow him all over again. And maybe you think you could never have a fresh start with Jesus. You've, um, you've maybe uh, shunned him or sidelined him or denied him like Peter. You know, I don't really know him. And uh, you've come to the point perhaps of thinking, look, I've just wasted so much time a uh, time when I could have been pressing on and, and following him, I've just wasted that. I've, I've gone backwards. And maybe I've, I've dragged a few other people with me. I've nudged other people towards the idea of rejecting Jesus, as I seem to be doing. But all of that's true of Peter, and Jesus called Peter back. He's calling you too. He's calling all of us through this final episode of John's Gospel. We just need to come back to him. Start again to follow Jesus. And Jesus hints, doesn't he, that for Peter to follow him will mean trusting Jesus with every day and with every difficulty of his life and even with the manner of his own death. So uh, verse 
uh, well, 18 more or less. So Jesus says, feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, so even though it's going to mean death, then he said to him, follow me. The Bible doesn't record Peter's death, but there is a strong prediction here that Peter will be martyred. He's going to be put to death. You know, it's, it's not something he'd have chosen for himself, perhaps, but it's by, the, by the will and by the strength of others. It's, uh, tradition says that he was crucified, and that certainly fits with the, the hint here of stretching out his hands. Uh, and even so, even with that in mind, although Jesus knows about it and is in full control of, of, of all that will happen, uh, all that Peter will suffer, Jesus still commands Peter, follow me. Uh, despite everything that it's going to mean, follow me. Is that what uh, following Jesus means for us? Does it mean death? Uh, I think there are probably three ways we can answer that, at least. Um, and those are no, maybe, and yes. <laughs> uh, is that hedging my bets? No, maybe, and yes. Does following Jesus mean death? Well, for one thing, probably no, very probably not. For us, living where we do, uh, Jesus, uh, following Jesus probably won't get us killed. Um, there are places where it would, and it does, but not here. So no. Well, does, Jesus, does following Jesus mean uh, death? Well, maybe. If uh, family and friends cut us out of their lives for us, they might treat us as if we have died. You know, people in different cultures uh, who start to follow Jesus are cut off by loved ones. They're treated, you know, you're dead to us now. Um, Ireland is not at that point at the moment, um, but maybe. And does following Jesus mean death? Well, yes. When we turn and trust in Jesus, we say goodbye to the old life lived for everything and anything else. And the old me dies. And the new me is alive now in Christ alone. And so here is a death that every follower of Jesus must die. So um, Luke 9.23, for example, Jesus said to them all, his gathered disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny sin, deny selfishness, deny saving ourselves, uh, put every rebellious part of ourselves to death every day and follow him. And when we fail, as of course we will, we come humbly for his mercy, uh, to receive his grace, to find rest in his love, and to step out again and follow him. Jesus says to, to Peter, and to me, and to you, and to each one of us here today, and to any, uh, you know, joining from home or listening later, follow me. It will cost you everything, but follow me. Jesus calls his disciples to follow. He calls Peter to follow again. And then lastly, from verses 20 to 25, uh, Jesus calls us to follow for ourselves. We'll get to what that means. It's a bit clumsy. Uh, but uh, Jesus calls us to follow for ourselves. So Jesus and Peter, uh, we might picture them taking this short stroll, you know, along the shoreline. And uh, Jesus calls Peter to follow him, hinting that it's going to involve courage and suffering and even death for Jesus' sake. Uh, and then verse 20, Peter kind of 
glances over his shoulder, perhaps hears a crunch in the gravel from behind, and he glances over his shoulder, and he sees that John is not far behind. And I think Peter has a very natural reaction to what he has been told, uh, all the difficulties that he's going to face. And he sees John, and he he just says to Jesus, well, 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 what about him? Uh, What's it going to be like for him to follow you. If I, if I go through trouble, is it, like, is it just me? Or is, will, it be, will it be these guys as well? Um, I think it would be so natural for Peter to be fearful or disturbed initially by what Jesus has said. He's not the same, you know, bullish, confident Peter who said, oh, Jesus, I'm going to die for you, and then starts swinging his sword in the Garden of, Geth- of Gethsemane. And we talked about how he really must have been going for that guy when he cut his ear off. Um, He's been humbled. He's realized that following Jesus is much more difficult than he understood. And it might be much more difficult than he understands even now. And we think like this, don't we, when when the chips are down. We, you know, Lord, I see that you're leading me or leading us into this very difficult time. You're leading us into this time of trials, of loss, uh, family and friends who maybe don't want anything to do with us if we're with you, or you know we've got this time of anxiety or disappointment or tragedy or sickness or decline or even death, grief and loss. And we wonder why we have to go through some of these things when it seems like other people just don't. Um, you know, I, I mean, other Christians just don't. It doesn't seem to visit their house. <laughs> why, why me? Uh, what about him? Or what about her? Uh, what about them? Are things going to be tough for them? Or is it, just, is it just us? And have we done something? You know, what's, what's this about? And Peter is basically told by Jesus that it's not really his business what anyone else's life is like following Jesus. Jesus' path for Peter is his path. Other people's paths are not Peter's business and not ours either. So verse 21, Lord, what about him? Peter says, And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Eyes on the path, Peter. And as John says, that led to a rumor about John himself. uh, And John did live a long life, didn't he? But the point Jesus is making uh, is that the path he ordains for us is our path. And the path he ordains for others is their path. And it's not a helpful thing to us to question or compare. Now, there's lots about following Jesus that is much the same for all of us. We are all called to patience, uh, one of the hardest. (laughs) Humility, no, that's also one of the hardest. Uh, Compassion, oh, they're all hard. Generosity, kindness, uh, godliness, love. We're all called to put Jesus first of our family, first of our friends, first of our temptation, first of our laziness, first of our myself, first of our all. We're all called to these things. But the path he gives each of us to walk will not be identical. He ordains trials, challenges, joys, life-changing events for good or ill, disappointments, encouragements, and all the rest in ways and at times that are just for us. Our path will not even be the same as someone who is very like us and lives very near to us. And so will you trust and follow Jesus? whatever his path is for you. Are you trusting and following Jesus right now, even if you would never have chosen the path that he's leading you on at the moment? How can we do that? Um, I think two things will help us. 
and uh, we're, we're, we're soon be finished. But two things will help us, God's word and God's people. Um, so first there's God's word, and, and it, I'm, this is put in my mind because of verses 24 and 5. What are, what are 24 and 5 doing in there? Have a look at them. <laughs> verses 24 and 5, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. Uh, we know, this will be handy if John used his own name, but anyway, it's, it's him. And we know that his testimony is true. And Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room enough. Oh, I stumble over this sentence all the time. I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Oh, it's just not how I would have written that, vo- ver- that, that sentence. Anyway, we get the idea. So why does it help us uh, to follow Jesus uh, no matter what path he leads us on? Why does this help us? I think John's saying, look, you've read my book You've got to the end of it. You've read it, and there's plenty more I could have told you, you know, enough to fill however many bookcases you want, um, but you have more than enough to believe and trust in Jesus and to follow him no matter what that costs. Go back over my book. Go back over God's word and let it fill you up with the truth that Jesus is worth everything that he is completely trustworthy, that we can take up our cross every day and follow him because he really did take up his cross to save us. So there's the encouragement of God's word. And we can follow for ourselves, uh, not only if we keep going back to his word, but if we keep meeting up with his people. Um, Jesus calls us to follow for ourselves, but he doesn't call us to follow by ourselves. Um, That would be one of the most basic and tragic mistakes we could make. Uh, We cannot follow Jesus without joining his church, without belonging to his bride. Uh, Jesus uh, gives us one another so that we can, uh, what does it say in Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We can come alongside each other on the different paths that we have, strengthen one another for the seasons that Uh, we need. We can bear one another's burdens. Jesus calls us to follow for ourselves. Don't look with envy at the path that he lays out for others. Look at the path he's laid out for you. Take the next steps you need to take in following him and think how you can encourage others in the church family to do the same. Uh, We need each other uh, to follow Jesus. We get all the privilege, the joy, and the necessary help of doing that together. And so verse 22, Jesus says, you must follow me. So like a skilled author or movie director, John ties up some loose ends at the end of a story and he sets up the sequel. We know, don't we, uh, what happens from here as the church erupts onto the scene as these confused disciples share the good news of salvation in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Uh, We know that they follow him, working together, uh, bearing each other's burdens with very different paths that each must take. Um, So what's our place in this book? Well, John wrote it so that we could believe in Jesus, and by believing, we could have life in his name. So do you believe in Jesus? We've, We've laid out John's gospel. Do you believe in Jesus? Do, do we trust him with our lives and even our deaths, with our path, whatever we may come across, whatever he ordains for us? And do we have and do we even now experience the beginnings of true life 
knowing his Father and our Father, one day to be with him in the place that he has prepared for us. Will we follow Jesus? Let's pray for his help. Let's pray. Father, as we finish this gospel, we, uh, we remember how it began. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we have to say that having read this gospel from start to finish, that is exactly right. And we remember John saying that while many would reject him, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And to that we say, thank you, Father. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Give us the courage and the desire and the love for Jesus that we need to take up our cross daily, to deny ourselves and to follow him. Help us to follow him no matter the cost and no matter the path. Especially help those of us who may feel far from you, cold to you, in need of another chance, in need of your loving reassurance and your welcome embrace, just as you fed and warmed these faltering fishermen who had abandoned their Lord and their friend. Would you deal gently but firmly with us? Give us that fresh start wherever it's needed among us. And would you help us by your spirit to respond to your call, to step out in faith and to follow you? Would you meet each of us according to our need with the power of your word today for Jesus' glory and for our good? Amen.